Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Jens Heitland Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland and welcome to the show. Hello, Jakob. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? You. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Out of almost sunny Copenhagen here. So I'm doing great. And like, yeah, he, loving he, to be here. <laughs> here it's always raining. I don't know what's going on. I always hear that so nice weather when I talk to other people, but here's always raining. <laughs> it's been pretty great. But now it's, uh, I don't know, we just had a few days of sunshine. It's, it's freezing. It's like minus four degrees Celsius. But uh, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, we are plus. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So before we dive into what design and innovation is and how we can learn from you and your perspective, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What is your story? Yeah, so my name is Jacob Holmsberg. I'm a visual designer. I'm currently employed at Fjord, part of Accenture Interactive. I live in Copenhagen. I have two kids and a wife. If I go a bit back to where I come from, I've I've always been been drawing, and that's sort of what sparked my interest into to sort of visual design. I have a, a mother who started out working in advertising and is really good at drawing, so that piqued my interest there. And then my father passed away a couple of years ago, but he was very much into innovation and connecting sort of like inventors with with businesses who could help take their innovation further. So I think like that's maybe where I'm I'm coming from historically that I've had these like two parts of me kickstarting my career, the, the curiosity for getting out there with something visual and, and the curiosity of, of just thinking about innovation and, and inventions and, and how you could sort of apply that into a business context. So my, my father always brought these um, gadgets home, like weird stuff that he was working on with with inventors and was thinking about how he could hook them up with the proper business to scale for them. So that was always a very, very fun thing when he when he brought stuff like that home. So I think that's sort of like where I'm I'm coming from and my my approach to innovation and design is sort of out of that more than anything. And then yeah, when it comes to education and more like proper going into a design career and innovation career, I've I went through a few design schools, one in particular in the southern part of Jutland that was not necessarily the best school. So I was hooking up with a bunch of classmates trying to look around what, what everybody else was doing in in the more of the professional landscape and trying to mimic what they were doing and, and trying to copy and learn. And yeah, got, got out of school, went to, to Copenhagen, started at a few design agencies, got a bit more traction. And, and yeah, that's how I, I got into the business, I guess. Yeah, and for those who are listening who have never heard where Jutland is, it's the <laughs> south part of of Denmark, which is like on the border to Germany. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was raised in the northern part of Jutland, but uh, yeah, a bit of local Dane. 
I would like to look back to your father. So what was the weirdest thing he was bringing home? He was bringing a lot of stuff home. So a lot of the stuff was uh, like crafted in aluminium or he, at some point he was working with an inventor who was working on a ceramic razor. It could just be little gadgets. It could be more like grand innovation things. Mm. I, I just remember like a lot of nifty little metal things, you know, little <laughs> little things you like almost you could fit in your pocket and just seeing his excitement about that and, and trying to and sometimes it was you like material samples or like weird stuff and we get to play with it mm. so yeah it was i just remember it as always a fun thing i didn't know if i actually understood the what was going on it was more like a fun little gadget he brought home when i was when i was really young but i remember the stories though i remember the stories of how you know, he found this individual who was in his basement doing this amazing, amazing thing. And he was really excited for him. And he was trying to figure out how he could, how he could hook that, that individual up and what the challenges were. So we had conversation around that. And I remember also sometimes he, his disappointment when, when, you know, a particular invention, like the, I think if I remember correctly, the ceramic razor was a thing where the inventor got bought out. It might've been Gillette who, who bought him out and just said like, we're going to shell this product. And it didn't amount to anything, but at least he got a few million out of it. And then he could live happily with his with his family. But those stories was definitely an inspiration growing up and, and just, yeah, having those uh, conversations with my father, definitely. What did you learn from that perspective now using, like, now you're in the professional world using innovation and design, helping clients to, to be more innovative, building products and, and a lot more. What did you learn from that mindset and what, what, what you have seen your father is doing? I think being a pragmatist more than anything. So I don't have any, as I mentioned with the school situation, I don't have any lengthy degree or I barely have a bachelor. <laughs> so I was always interested in the, in the craft of, you know, creating something, whether it be in the, in, you know, in physical object or a visual thing or, or a digital thing, or like just getting something out there was, was sort of my thing and what what got me into the situation so just the pragmatist about the situation and understanding that there's not going to be not going to make a product and that's just going to be perfect you need to refine and refine and then you need to have a bit of luck and you need to get connected with a bunch of people and then you need to you need to iterate and you need to sort of move things forward and, and there are different processes and different ways of doing that depending on where you're at and you need to just you need to learn more than anything mm -hmm. as you go along so yeah you know it's also inspiring when you know some of the stuff was in, in metal some of the stuff was in plastic and, and just, we were talking about the molds and and there, there's just a, a, a steep learning curve on understanding how you actually get a product to the market and how you know then how you scale and then how do you become successful and there's like different pitfalls and yeah there's a lot to be said around that but i think being a pragmatist more than anything is what i'm bringing into yeah. it there's a lot of I'm, I'm trying to read a lot up on theory as well but I'm, I'm i'm definitely a pragmatist in the heart i want to get stuff done i want to get it out there i want to see it live and i want to i want to get feedback and improve right that's yeah. sort of yeah. the design approach yeah, I, that I mean, we have been working together i see a lot of things now which i didn't because i didn't know about your father so it's it's, it's quite cool to see that now <laughs> so going into the design and innovation world before we start Digging more into the innovation piece, let's give our listeners a little bit of understanding what, what your definition of design is and what people think of design. Because we're more into businesses and uh, most of my listeners will be more into business and innovation topics. Mm -hmm. But I think it's valuable for everyone to understand what design is and how you see your, 
see design. Yeah, so design is a is a, a hard thing to define. You get a lot of different definitions on what is design depending on what industry you're in. If it's furniture or fashion or digital mm-hmm. or whatever the, the the area is, I think you know. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to nail it down in like one sentence. I think for me, more than anything, design is an approach to understanding where you can first of all figure out where there's a problem that you that you can fix, but also understand. All of the implications in in that statement, like first of all, figure out if that is the right problem. You know, figure out you know what is the research, what do you need to learn in order to figure out if that is the right problem. And then when you you know believe that that you're on the right path, then how do you make actions towards it and, and create something mm-hmm. that will solve that problem? Right. I think that's maybe also like the, the the basic definition of design. There's a lot to be said around design. I'm, I'm trying to keep, to keep it short. <laughs> of course, there's something around the execution and getting something out there you can you can talk about you know for days and days but i think uh, yeah let's let's keep that short <laughs> for now so if we now link design and innovation because you're working in fjord which is design and innovation consulting how do you distinct it and how do you merge it what are mm-hmm. the commonalities and differences that's also a good question and also a very broad one <laughs> for me it's more like designing is, is solving something and getting something out there right and innovation is more like improving on something or creating something new or novel that that is something that maybe haven't been seen before or is tweaking something to a degree where it's becoming something else for me they go very much hand in hand i think design and innovation is and that's obviously also why i work at fjord is in my opinion it's hard to have one without the other and i think the way that we we work with design is very much about you know coming in to a situation with a client and then understanding the landscape and where they're at. And then how can we use their their strength to generate a new product or a new service or a new strategy or whatever else they need to be, whatever else that needs to be created, right? It's always for me about creating something better or creating something that is more effective or whatever, you know, word you want to want to use. But it's it's about changing something, right? It's about changing something from a current state and, and making it to something better at another state with all the implications of especially if you have a big company like what do you need to change the strategy in order to make that happen do you need to change the culture do you need to change the processes do you need to change the supply chain do you need to change the business do you need to like there's a lot of change stuff as you go up in scale Mm. where that can almost become the main (laughs) the main challenge where you get hired to change a small service or a product and then actually find out oh actually the, the main pain point is within this particular you know, pillar of the organization and the culture here. And that's exactly the thing you need to change in order to change that other thing. So I think we tend to go a bit upstream whenever we get hired in. And sometimes people find it maybe a bit tiring that we challenge stuff, but we really like to, to figure out where the root cause of, of any given situation lies. So you, so, you, so you can get to that you know, stuff first and fix that so you don't put a Band-Aid on a cancer patient, right? You need to understand what you're looking at. That's one of the big things I learned as well when we work together is understanding that you need to challenge your clients. You need to go to to the extent of where they feel uncomfortable, then you know there is something. And it's, of course, different, completely different environments where, where we are now working in. But I still use that way of thinking what I learned from the brilliant colleagues. It's like understanding that and figuring it out and not just saying, hey, okay, we do this. Or we do that. Let's. Why? Why should we doing that? What is the root cause of doing it? And digging more into that, I think it's 
sometimes painful, but super valuable for the end result. And specifically then when you work on culture topics. Yeah. And that's also why, you know, the coaching part is, is interesting as, as you know, more than anyone, right? <laughs> you, you know, it, it tends to be the work that we do now is, is similar to coaching where you actually, you have to go in and then you have to assess the client in that, you know, trustful relationship. You need to figure out like, where do you want to go? Like where, mm-hmm. like, and then how far can I help you go there? And then we need to assess like a, like an athlete, we need to assess like, what are you capable of? Like, when is it going to hurt? Like if you want to run a marathon, how can I incrementally move you there? And how far can I push you? And when are you going to, when are you going to object? <laughs> and when are you going to play along? And along the way, there's going to be peaks and valleys. And, and, you know, it's something that requires a lot of trust and it requires a lot of just honesty along that way in order to move a company with all of the stakeholders and all of the culture and all of the stuff along that path towards the end result. And, and that takes skill. That takes a lot of coaching skill to understand how do you move people from A to B and along the way when, when people object or there are disappointments or I thought it would be different or, or there might be something that some people see as a win and others see as a fail. Or there's like, then you have like almost like mutiny <laughs> sometimes. Then how do you keep all your ducks in a row and how do you move forward? And how do you make sure that you deliver that result in the end? And that when you deliver that result, you also take all of this up into to account so you don't like cross the finish line and then the whole company is on fire and everybody's hurting. Like you need to cross the finish line and make sure that people feel the success and you have ambassadors and followers for your next endeavor and you build a relationship along the way, right? So you, you, people might be a bit sore and that's fine, but there's a lot to be said around like pushing innovation through big organizations and making sure that you you do it in the right way so people feel that they they also learn along the way and yeah. they they enjoy the the process let's dig more into big organization because i know you have worked with fairly 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 big organizations in the past so what what are the challenges when we look into innovation inside of large organizations or innovating in large organizations that depends so much on the company. It depends a lot on the culture. It depends a lot on the mandate that you are given. Sometimes, like you like to have a mandate, you know, located high up, and then you you get granted permission to move deeper into the organization. But then, if it's an organization where you know the the CEO says, "Yeah, we're doing that," but the rest of the organization is not in line with it, then that mandate is like you know, as you mentioned, like culture will eat that up for for breakfast, right? So you need to understand you know, your permission mm-hmm. and who is along for the journey, who is going to sabotage it sometimes, honestly, and who has different agendas and, and KPIs and how, and how everything is sort of aligning to, to where you want to want to move it. So for big organizations, more than anything, I think is also what I'm, what I'm talking into now. There's a lot to be said around culture and how, how you set up the processes and make sure that people play along with you. So you get buy-in and you get less friction you get less corridor resistance so you actually can move forward with what you are trying to do and then i think another thing is definitely and that's maybe you know being a visual designer that's how i how i at least work is that you know as a visual designer traditionally if i just put on my craft hat then i'm a visual designer i do you know digital screens interfaces posters prints back in the day or what like it, it i see it much more as a craft to visualize like anything to get people on board, to make stuff tangible. And that tangibility is really a core, you know, skill to move things forward, especially in large corporations. You need to sometimes craft objects 
almost like totem poles that yeah. can speak for you in your behalf so you can scale. So if you can create, sometimes it's a poster, sometimes it's a, it's a deck, sometimes it's a video, like whatever the format is, get some formats out that is easily communicating what you're trying to communicate and make people think and make people buy into the vision. Mm. So yeah, both for scale, but also just for, for sometimes it's good to leave yourself in the background. So it's not about me. It's about the thing. We can critique the thing. And that opens up for discussion where, where you just get more honesty and, and you get more, you know, the, the, you know, the ambassadors will then come to you afterwards and say, Hey, I like that thing, but I have trouble here and here in the organization. Or yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes if people don't come back, then it's like, Hmm, that's interesting. At least now I know where they're positioned and they're not on board necessarily. How can I then get them on board? Or they maybe have conflicting KPIs and then, okay, how can we talk with them about, you know, what their pain points are in order for us to be a success with what the company wants, right? So the two things, understanding culture and, and then using those, those visual objects and move that in front of you yeah. and sort of keep the pace is sort of key, I guess, for, for those large-scale organizations, at least to how I approach it. Interesting that you said, I just have had a, a conversation the other day where we looked into a change project for a company and looked into what could be the vehicle that we work with that gets the company to change. Because changing for the sake of changing is not something that helps everyone to understand it. So it's to your point, it's like have something tangible where everyone can focus on and that will expose what's not working or what is working. And then you can totally. work around that topic. It's quite interesting because a lot of organizations don't do it. They just, let's say, they put a strategy out there and say, hey, let's change. It's, yeah, okay, let's change. <laughs> it's in the five-year plan that we should change, but it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, but that's like strategy. Sometimes it's the easy, easy part, right? It's, it's, it's really making sure that you, that you have those successes incrementally. Mm-hmm. So I think like if, if you only success uh, only focuses on the short-term successes or the long-term, you'll fail. You have to do both. Like the strategy will help focus on how we get to the long-term success, but then you need to deliver on the short-term successes as well. Otherwise, people get frustrated or, or you know, people want to change or, you know, the, the strategy or fighting it. So and then you like you need to figure out what the success looks like for each and every one. So you make sure that you deliver on it. So for some, it might be you know, monetary, sometimes it's, it's, it's a different KPI. So yeah, making sure that you deliver those short-term successes. And I think more and more so for, for the big companies, right? If, if a, if a C suite individual, you know, that individual wants to, wants to look good, then you need to bring some numbers or some incremental success for, for also for buy-in for the product or for the project. Sometimes you really need to make sure that it's not like we, we signed the contract, like now everything's good. We can just do our work. You need to make sure that you then I don't want to say grease the wheels, but it's more like understand how you deliver those incremental successes for for keeping people engaged and active and behind it and supporting it to take it to the next level. Yeah. I always talk about the language of business and that the language of business will change things. Part of that 100% agree is that, that you need to understand what the language of the business is to be able to speak their language inside an organization. And specifically, if you're an outsider of the organization, you need to understand what they're looking into. And then if you have a project, it's kind of, I always call it GPS. You need to build a GPS that everyone understands, hey, that's where we want to go. And the GPS will help us to get there. It's like having Google Maps. Totally. But even Google Maps is only working if you have trigger points in between where, where Google Maps, the knowledge behind it, the algorithm knows, okay, there's crossroad, there's something else. There's, that's not a real road. So you need to build that up over time and then learn. 
Totally. And then, and then like, as you mentioned, the language is a huge thing. I think coming from the design world, like sometimes the design language can be like a bit of a barrier. If you, if you come in strong, trying to force a business into now you need to understand design thinking or now you need to understand service blueprint. And if, if you're not using those words, it becomes a weird barrier where all of a sudden now, like you need to worry about your business, but now I'm like putting a layer in where you need to understand design too. Like that doesn't fly. I need to be a chameleon into your world. I need to understand your language. And if you're calling this pillar X, I'm going to call it pillar X. If you're calling your strategy, you know, the light tower vision, that's what I'm going to use. So <laughs> we don't come yeah. in with like weird terminology or even worse acronyms. And then we just alienate everyone in the process. Right. And, and then you like, I'm a consultant. Like I'm, I'm coming in with a mandate where I have, I have no skin in the game. Like if, if this blows up, I still have my day job. So there's something to be said about the humility around like we need to come in and, and improve your business. So we're very humble coming in. Like, thank you very much. Like you want to go to, to your, your goal. We'll help you go there, but it's going to be on your terms. Like if coming back to the sports metaphor, right? If you don't show up for practice, there's nothing I can do. I can sit yeah, there all sure. my plans and, and we're not going to move anywhere. So I need, I need to I need to come where you are in order to to move you right, yeah. or at least tease you in right and and invite you in. So we don't do that by alienating the language. Yeah, I would love to move now to small company perspective because one thing you have had your own business. If you're okay with that, describe us a little bit what you did and what you learned during that time. Sure. So I was working at a design agency. And we were doing a lot of fashion campaigns, a lot of lifestyle marketing. It was like sort of like a brand agency. Hmm. And yeah, I liked it. But there was also a lot of filtering of what got out. And I, and I was curious to see whether or not I could do it on my own, honestly. And, and hmm. I was curious to see, like, what if I remove everything around me? Can I then make it? Can I make a living? Can I put out quality work? Can I, you know, understand First of all, can I learn more about where I'm at in this moment in time? So more than anything, it was just just trying to see if I could sort of make it on my own. So I left the agency and then I I created my own one-person agency and did that for three and a half years, doing a bit of the same, did a lot of yeah, fashion campaigns. I did a lot of also cultural communication, worked with some some galleries and some art stuff. And it was a bit, bit of a patchwork. And... But but more than anything, it was really it, it taught me just the entrepreneurial spirit of just I need I need to put food on the table every month. I need to like I have yeah. an apartment, I have you know, I have a, a, a life that I want to sustain. I had a, I'm in a relationship, I need to I need to keep this moving. So more than anything, and I you know, you know that every entrepreneur still that know that. Like if, if you have skin in the game in, in that regard, it's a different it's a different vibe. I was curious to sort of take that on as a learning more than anything, I guess. Yeah. to see if I could actually stomp some something out of the ground. And I did that for three and a half years. And then at some point, I was working a lot with another agency who were working for a client, Royal Copenhagen, a porcelain company in Copenhagen. And they had I was working with them a lot. Hmm. And then the financial crisis hit. And I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty bad. And like over the next three, four, five, six months, like business was just super hard. And I was struggling to maintain my my pricing. And it just made sense at that moment in time. So, okay, right. I proved my point. This is, this tsunami is, is, is too much for one person company to, to sort of, <laughs> sort of deal with at, at the, the, the way I wanted to do it. Yeah. And so it made sense to, to sort of team up with the other agency. So I went over there and, and was heading up their design capability instead. 
that was the the journey of it. So it was more like a, a learning thing than anything else. It was sort of proving that I could sustain a business uh, and sort of like I was I was working with Samsung at, at the time who was doing a lot of business with me. So that was also really nice to sort of see it see it grow in size of the client. So I, I thought, okay, I've, I've proven my point. I need to I need to move on. And then one thing as like working as an entrepreneur, especially as a, as an individual, it's also a bit of a lonely job sometimes. I saw how I just longed for teamwork. I, I craved that that the synergy of working together collaboratively, getting more smart people in the room. I tend to always like for all my career, I want to be next to smart people. If I'm the if I'm the smartest people in the room, I tend to want to get out. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to be I want to be the stupidest person in the room because that's when I know I, I learn. So I was just looking for opportunities to to be together with with smart people and learn more than anything after those three and a half years. So that was that was like my my entrepreneurial story. But I think everybody should should try that at some point. Everybody <laughs> should try to have that amount of skin in the game because that is really if nothing else, you will be a much more well-rounded employee afterwards because you understand now what the CEO is stressing about. You understand now, you know, the business of things and and what what does it mean to have a client walk out on a project when times are rough and when you really when you're really down, right? There's there's something to be said about that. That learning it gets implemented in a deeper level in you than any other learning because you sort of feel it in a different way. As well, like we discussed before recording, that there are bumps. It's not depending what you're doing, but it, especially if you're selling services, it's not that it's, hey, you have a client the whole year and all is fine. Maybe you get someday to that level, but especially when you begin, it's like there's something, then there's some nothing for a while, and then there comes something again. Totally, totally. And that's also the way the way you set it up is much smarter. Like I didn't know that at the time, but like if you if you're an independent consultant and you're selling your time, you're either stressed about having nothing to do or stressed about having too much to do. There's never that sweet spot, right? So it also takes a toll on you. So you need to you need to be proactive and set up a sustainable business around your assets so you don't just drown or or stress yourself out, right? You need to be able to ride the wave. You've also mentioned that, right? You need to, yeah. like, because there, there's like Christmas holidays, like nothing gets done. You have like summer holidays, nothing gets done. And if, if you stress about that, then like in the end yeah. of the day, like you'll just be stressed and there's not going to be more business. So you need to be more nimble about your, your peaks and valleys in, in terms of your, your time, right? So yeah, you need to set it up a bit smarter than I did, but it was, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I look back like fond, fond memories, like coming back from a big client meeting in my car alone, driving into the side, like, fuck yeah, yeah, we did it. And there's like <laughs> looking around in the car, it was like, just me. And, but at least like I did that. I, I went to that meeting, I did that thing. So that's, there's a tremendous amount of pride still so yeah it's great to hear because a couple of the listeners are uh, as well either they are in in that situation where they have started a business and kind of look how that works and still figuring things out which i think will always be the case when you own a business but it's also i have a couple of listeners who are coming from a large corporational background and they're on the edge of thinking they should be jumping into that. So it's great to hear that you said it's super valuable. And even if it didn't work out in the end, as yeah. you wanted to have it, you can always go back. That's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. No, but I think if you're at the verge of wanting to jump, then you should totally jump. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a complete failure or a complete yeah. success. It's gonna be somewhere in between. And probably you're gonna sustain longer than your, you know, your worst fear. Anyway, right? That's like the worst case scenario is never like nothing. It's always something. 
And then like, it always leads to something, right? You never know, like you don't know the unknown. So you don't know who you meet. You don't know what could trigger something. You don't know the relationship you could build. You don't know how, how something can lead to another, right? That's the serendipity of it. Like you, yeah. you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And that just allowing you to, to take the wheel, like really take the wheel and drive wherever you want to take it and be fully like 100% responsible for that decision all the time. That's a great learning. And, and, and it's something that you, like you can read all the management books, like you can read all the theory, like it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter on that rainy Wednesday yeah. when everything is just, it, it's just there. Like there's no books to help you. You're just there. I feel like the books are helping you to take the jump. And then when you're in it, you're just in it. It's almost like I need to read the, the book by Scott Belsky, The Messy Middle, where he really like just focusing on that part. I have it on my, my to, to read list because there's definitely something to be said about like just being in it and just yeah. trying to swim and just, you know, trying to make it. And then even if you have a success, then all of a sudden you're right back into another middle. And that's all, that's like where you spend the most part. Like, so you need to, yeah, understand that and, and take all the learnings you can get from it. Right. What I've seen definitely for myself, the learning accelerates, like it's not 10 X it's 100 X because like you said, you're, you're all day in, you know, what's going on. You you wake up in the middle of the night, have a great idea and get shit moving. It's not that, yeah, I can do that next week or most of the time, at least for me, it's not that, that way. <laughs> oh, totally. And then when you have like the dark periods, right, that's where it's, it's also tricky where like, it's a different game when, when your mind playing tricks on you and you second guess your decisions or you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're like in theory, this should work and it just doesn't. So then what do you do? Right. How do you like, am I pivoting now? Is it too soon? Like how, like some decisions you can, you can do again, right. Most of the decisions, but some decisions you are hard to redo. So it's just understanding how you, how you treat that and find peace in it. I think like, there's a lot of conversation now also for, for entrepreneurs about just mental health and just understanding oh, yeah. the loneliness yeah. of it. I think that's something also to be very open about. And, and it's sometimes tricky. It's really tricky. And that's, that's just how it is. It's not like, that's not a unique experience to you. That's for everyone, but just being honest about that and, and also reach out, right. If, if you need help, I think, especially if you're, if you're in it alone, it, it's really nice to, to have a community or a, or, you know, be part of an accelerator or, or an incubator or whatever to, to have those conversations. Yeah, that's quite interesting that you said that. I was moderating a executive roundtable for entrepreneurs this Tuesday. It's quite interesting. This is growing now. I'm I'm part of different and several of these roundtable discussions, which is like in the old days, at least in Germany, it was called Rotary Club, where it's like the entrepreneurs of the local community are meeting every Saturday for a breakfast or whatever, that's kind of now everything is in a digital environment and it's across borders, which is super interesting to experience. It's like, hey, there's a guy from South Africa, a person from London, a person from Denmark and me from Germany talking about something which we all care about and we're meeting every two weeks. It's super interesting to see that now being in the pandemic that things are kind of developing in a way where you can reach out and build networks in a completely different way than ever before totally and i think it's it's even more than a nice to have it's 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 a necessity and i think being fortunate to to be in a consultancy where i i get to submerge myself into like different industries and different projects and different service and products like all of that and i like that a lot because that's where you you really get to cross pollinate so actually in you know in in healthcare they're thinking about them this way or in you know in logistics they're thinking about it this way and then you can sort of connect the dots and and as an entrepreneur being in a 
in a community where you where you can do that like you need to specialize of course in in your field of expertise but then understanding just the diversity of of what other people are looking at is really vital because then like if you go too deep into your own rabbit hole sometimes it becomes it becomes a bit weird and and if you don't have that like of course you want to listen to your customers but you also want to see opportunities beyond what the customer sees right so you yeah. want to have that more diverse just look into the world with different lenses to see different opportunities yeah absolutely and it's what i always always say to people i work with you need to focus on giving rather than taking it's like totally. when when you're on this round table it's not about you selling something to the others because they're also there might not be even your customers but it's how can you provide your insights and your knowledge to this guys and the other way around as well and if you focus on giving you will get something back in a yeah. long-term perspective totally i'm a big believer in karma yeah. like i think if you, if you go into a room and you want to sell stuff like everybody has been in the room with that guy or girl selling like that tough sell <laughs> and it's everything's like the hot sell it, it's it's off-putting and, and it's, it's it's an unequal relationship and it's it's not necessarily something you know it's, it's not the right strategy in most cases i think just going in with with that generosity of, of mindset and, and just trying to be helpful you now it's key it's it's a yeah we talked about the long game right that's where you want to be and then good stuff will come to you yeah so slowly going to an end being respectful of your time so i've always one question which i'm asking everyone on, on the podcast which is like if you could be part or leading a project in your case that's felt and 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 seen and and connect to everyone on the whole planet. It's like everyone will see, feel it, or whatever, mm -hmm. get attached to it. What project would you like to to lead or be part of? Yeah, that's another big question. I think, especially the way the world looks today, with just the current pandemic, but even beyond the pandemic, just health in general. And just how there's so much suffering and how, you know, healthcare is so unequal distributed. I think something around bringing better health to everyone on the globe would be like a noble goal. Maybe that's a bit uh, cliche, but I think something like that would be interesting. I think there's so much opportunity also in the healthcare space to democratize and to, to have a, a broader reach and to go global on a, on a project like that would be interesting. Like even in in the West, there's a lot of funding now going into to making sure that uh, especially cancer patients can be, be treated at home and there's different you know, digital services and, and products that, that enable that. I think stuff like that, I think is super interesting. And we'll see that grow even more so in, in the future. So be part of a global rollout of, of that on a general level would be, I think that would be amazing. Dan, where will you be in a year from now? What's happening? What do you think will, will happen for you? And you can answer that from a personal perspective, business perspective, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, so in a year's time, that's a good question. I think, you know, business-wise, I'll, I'll definitely hopefully be where I'm at. Currently, I enjoy it very much working with the different client relationships that we have. On a personal note, I, yeah, I think it'll be pretty much where we're at. We, we just moved into a new apartment, had a, another uh, kid. So just getting comfortable with that situation <laughs> and, and understanding you know, how to, you know, maintain that is where my mind is at currently. So not that much challenging stuff around, <laughs> around neither family life nor professional life. I just enjoy what we're doing. And I think regarding the work that we do as, as consultants right now, especially in the digital space is really high in demand. And, and we're actually hiring people, even though it's, it's a, it's a very 
it's just a crazy time, right? People are losing their jobs left and right. So I'm, I'm also being respectful of different situations. I just enjoy that that we are are able to run a business now, and and that the offers that we are putting out there are in demand, especially around digital. So, yeah, helping our clients advance is where I'm going to be at the next year. And you have the beauty of being in one of the best teams of the world, because I've <laughs> been there. I know it. One of the things I need to ask you, because that's very interesting, and I, I have seen that a lot with you when we work together, it's like, how do you keep yourself up to date? What are your news sources, different input to, to form your decisions? So I just tend to read a lot and I tend to forget a lot. So I feel like there's, I think I, there's a quote, of course, I can't remember who said it, right? But there's something about like study as you forget all the time. So mm. I, I, that's how I, I just try to read ferociously. I tend to have a book list of just business literature, design literature, management literature. And, you know, that could be like the top 10, 20 New York Times bestseller list, all of the stuff that everybody else is reading as well. And then I try to, to have a bit more on right now. It's, it's a bit more like old school philosophy, like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. And just to try to go back a bit and, and the thinking around, you know, what grounded the West, Western civilization. And then, yeah, just the random innovation podcast that I know you listen to, you know, like Tim Ferriss is, is amazing, like him a lot. But I tend to like spread it out a little bit so I don't do like 10 management books in a row or like too much of one thing. I tend to, to like spread it out a little bit. I, I will say I'm, I'm turning down the news a lot. I'm trying to get away. It's more like, what do I don't, what do I not do? Right. So yeah. I, I try to get off whatever social media as much as i can because i'm not perfect in any way but i've tried to like get away from from the noise there's so much stuff out there and then try to get to what is actually bringing value of literature so i try to be quite selective with the stuff and yeah and my time as well that's quite an interesting perspective even if we are already at the end what i see there's a movement towards value and long-term content rather than super short mm -hmm. but everyone says that the attention spend is is shortening how do you see that for yourself i think it's just for me personally it's more about the having a calm mind like mm -hmm. if, if i get too crowded with you know news of the day or you know this hot tech thing now or like i i, I try to stay updated of course there's like different layers to it and i, mm -hmm. I need to stay updated with current business stuff or developments or but then for my own personal satisfaction, I tend to want to go like want to go deep and then really emerge myself into a particular thinking or something that goes beyond like, you know, 10 steps to be a success, blah, 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 or like 10 ways of doing management, right. Or like 10 mm -hmm. ways to, and try to go a bit deeper and then have some, like formulate some sort of personal opinion in it. So I don't end up like, sometimes I like, I, I get mortified if I find myself re regurgitating a management book principle where I haven't really given it much thought, you know, yeah, similar yeah. to when you're, if you're at a company and you just, you know, you take in whatever principle that they have and then you spit it out to a client, but then you don't really have given yeah, it much thought. Yeah, I, yeah. I get like, ah, oh, when I, when I'm in that situation, I'm, I'm like, I want to shoot myself. I try to use like the more of the deep thinking to just formulate uh, an honest opinion. And then I can, like, I also feel like that's, that's what sticks the most. And it's more like if I'm going to spend like a, a couple of days or a week reading something, I want to make sure that that, that investment pays off. I don't want it to be shallow. <laughs> yeah, I want yeah. it, like, even if it's, if it's more like just a, a nice, you know, prose literature or whatever, then I want to make sure that it's, it's, it's quality. 
Absolutely. Cool. So how can people find you and reach out to you? They can find me on, I think, Twitter and LinkedIn is where I'm, I'm at in business context. Just my full name, Jacob Holmsberg on LinkedIn and Twitter. I think that's what makes sense. I have a, I have a, an Instagram account as well, but that's more like personal baby stuff. So I don't know if that's necessarily what you're looking for, but you're welcome to join there as well. I will put the links into the show notes as well. No, definitely. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure seeing you again and talking to you and having me on, on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really miss you, Jens. I really want you back on the team. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for that. See. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you're doing too good of a job. So it's going to be a while. But we'll really, see. really lovely catching up with you. I hope we can do this again sometime. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.